rightly said, my name is Elizabeth. I, um, I am a KT cell leader. I also have worked with Transform Work UK. I have a great passion for the workplace and what is possible in the workplace, what God can do and what is possible in the workplace. Um, I, first of all, I also want to say thank you to uh, our senior minister, uh, Colin Dye, for allowing us to come and share on this and also to address the giants of society. What we're going to share today cuts across all of them. And it doesn't just relate to one giant, but it actually cuts across all of them. And I hope that what we share today, you'll be able to take it away and it would have an impact on you to make a change where you are. So I'm just going to go straight now into the presentation. Um, as Ron said, if you do have any questions as I go along, please jot them down. You can ask them at the end or just put them on the chat facility. So I'm going to share my screen now and we'll just get started. Let's do that. Okay, here we are. How to take your faith to work is the title of what we're going to talk about today, engaging with contemporary culture. Um, our senior minister gave us um, a talk in January about what is actually going on in contemporary culture. He talked about uh, critical theory, the wokeism and the prevailing um, philosophies and ideologies that are actually happening in the workplace and in, in, in society in general. This is a, maybe a little bit of a response to that. How do we then engage knowing what is going on? How can we make a difference? So this is what this is about. The premise for this is you are the light of the world. We all know uh, this very well, but how can we be the light in the world? Um, one, one thing that I found out is that darkness is simply the absence of light. Uh, if you think about that, darkness is the absence of light. Darkness does not exist as a unique physical entity on its own. So if you think that the world is in darkness, then where is the light? You know, if we are the light of the world, where are we in the world? Are we absent? Are we present? Hopefully when we go through the presentation today, it would, we would learn how to be present in the world so that the light can shine. Uh, I have these things on my screen. Okay, religion and belief and the way it is expressed in the public. Let me just move this away. And the way it's, it's um, religion and belief and the way it is expressed in public can generate strong emotions and opinions, especially in the workplace. I'm sure you're very aware of that. There are a number of, um, I'm going to have to, hold on, I'm going to stop sharing because there's something that's come up on my screen that is not allowing me to move forward. Okay. Religion and belief and the way it's expressed in public can generate strong emotions and opinions, especially in the workplace. There are a number of ethical issues that arise when employees wish to pursue practices that express their religious convictions at work. So let's explore situations where religion and belief impacts the day-to-day -day operations of, of, of organizations. Some of the reasons why religion and belief impacts the day-to-day -day operations of organizations are the following. I'm going to address the first three uh, now and then go deeper into the next four in more detail. So growth in the UK immigration has allowed for a greater diversity of religion in the workplace and in, in society in general. 
Um, immigration is one of the most significant causes of a wide range of diversity in the UK. Um, according to Wikipedia, every major religion in the world is represented in the UK. So if that is the case, you can imagine how many diverse religions are represented in the workplace. So that only in itself allows for organizations to be willing to look into how religion and faith or religion and belief impacts um, the day-to-day -day working of their employees. Another aspect is the globalization of business. Technology has shrunk the world. Um, most organizations are now um, multicultural, multinational in nature. Um, people are depending on people on the other side of the world. And if you think about that, a lot of the cultures and religions in the other part of the world will be very different from the ones in the home country. So if you're working like in, because of the cost of production being so uh, low in some parts of the developing world, if you're working in a place like India, Pakistan, um, Bangladesh, you, they have a whole different cultural and religious uh, uh, entity that it would impact the way you relate to them. Because number one, their religious holidays will be different. Their religious practices will be different. So there's no way that that will not impact on the, on the culture of the, of the home organization. Another, another issue that makes faith and belief relevant in the workplace is generational differences. If you look at baby boomers and Generation X versus millennials and Generation Y, millennials, the younger generation, they, are, they have a very different expectation of the workplace. They're more outspoken. They believe that they can choose their own value systems, their own beliefs and lifestyle and worldviews. And they're very outspoken about them. So if they have any sort of religion uh, uh, they would be quite, um, they're very, very uh, 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 comfortable on how they bring that to the workplace. One of the things that, one of the values that they are very, very strong about is discrimination in the workplace. They're very strong about human rights and equality. These, these, uh, these um, structures are very, uh, they, they take them very seriously. And therefore in the workplace, they are the ones driving forward the agenda for these things. So how do we relate with them and how do workplaces relate with the worldviews that they bring to the table? This is another aspect of why faith and belief or religion and belief impacts the day-to-day -day operations of, of, of in the workplace. Um, I'm going to go now to current legislation. I'm going to go into this more, more in more detail because this is relevant to us. Uh, current legislation. For our purpose today, it is important to recognize the important role played by supporting legislation in protecting the vast diversity found in the workplace. So legislation supports and protects the diversity in the workplace. The, the, the legislation that, that covers this is the Equality Act 2010. The purpose of this legislation is to protect workers from discrimination and harassment. 
nine characteristics have been identified that are protected in the workplace. And as you can see them on the screen, age, disability, gender reassignment, marriage, pregnancy, race, religion and belief, sex, sexuality, and sexuality as well. Now, you might say all of those, you know, you don't agree with some of them. Yes, but religion and belief is one of them as well. So let's not focus on what is not, cannot be done. If we focus on what can be done, we can, then we can begin to think about how we can make a big difference in the workplace. So religion and belief is also one of the protected characteristics. Uh, based on the Equality Act 2010, the diversity framework ensures compliance with the Act. Um, what is diversity? We hear the word, you know, thrown around a bit, uh, a lot. It recognizes the range of human difference. That's what diversity is. It just recognizes that people are different. And each person has layers of diversity, which makes her perspective very, very unique. And then what is equality? Equality and inclusion it simply means involving and valuing these human differences and the view that each one of them brings to the table, uh, 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 brings to the table. So we, we don't just recognize human difference, we are meant to involve them and value them to see what they can bring to the community. The diversity framework going on. It's not enough to recognize and interact with individuals with difference. We need to include their experiences and views when working with them or with working with one another. And that way we ensure respect and consideration of the diverse needs and perspectives of all. Now, when we're looking at this, it's important that you look at it through the lens of where we are coming from. We are looking at religion and belief and how we that can impact the workplace and how we are using that as a platform can make a difference. So let's, let's go on. Again, the diversity framework requires a proactive commitment to valuing the rich diversity in the workplace. It's actually recognizing the strengths, the talents, and the needs of each group. If you want to talk about social groups um, of each group, it means nurturing the potential and maximizing the opportunities that for everybody so that everyone can make a unique contribution. You might say, you know, what has that got to, because if you understand diversity and equality, then you would see that everybody, every group, every difference has the same right. And therefore you, there would not be a sense of intimidation that, or maybe what I have to say doesn't have value because all of the nine characteristics have equal valid value and you and religion and faith is one of them and therefore it's important that we stand up and 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 speak up on in the in these arenas so that our voice can be heard so another thing that um Another reason why religion and faith is important in the workplace is because of employee well-being. It is generally accepted that an active employee wellness program can generate beneficial outcomes for organizations. 
The programs have formally focused on health and safety issues, uh, but they have been extended to include work-life balance, stress at work, and what people call spiritual needs. So organizations are beginning to realize that employees have spiritual needs. So the provision of quiet rooms or faith rooms for religious contemplation is becoming the norm as, as organizations begin to realize that work-life balance or health safety uh, issues, employees need spiritual, um, there's value in this, their spirituality, there's value in it when it's recognized in the workplace. Um, a conference board paper on this topic puts the, the case succinctly. It says strong morale and work contentment often translates into higher productivity and more customer friendly attitudes. The opposite is also true. Job performance can suffer if a work, worker's employ, uh, emotional well being is neglected. Caring for both the physical and spiritual health of the workforce is becoming a part of good business practice. In other words, the more the well-being of employee is made a priority in an organization, the better the productivity. And that's not just a theory that has been proven in actual practice in a practical way. Um, and one way the, uh, the organizations are addressing this is by forming staff network groups, so encouraging staff networks. One way of fostering employee well-being is by recognizing and encouraging staff, net, staff support networks. Different areas in the organization have relationships with different agencies, communities, and groups. Tapping into these networks can help better engage with the broader spectrum of the workplace community. So um, setting up staff networks, all of the nine characteristics that we saw earlier, they're all encouraged to set up staff networks. That's why maybe in your organization, maybe you have the faith network, maybe you have the, uh, you know, there's so many different networks. Um, these are ways that the organi that organizations are beginning to realize that they can support one another. Let's go on to the next one. Faith networks is, an, is a, just one of the many networks present in the workplace. The encouragement of network groups as a means of promoting understanding between group, faith groups in the workplace is being regarded as good, as good practice. Faith and interfaith networks are a channel to engage with management on issues that relate to religion and belief. They can provide clear guidance concerning issues as dress, wearing of religious symbols, and taking religious holiday. They also okay. serve as an additional way of supporting individuals who have work, personal, or family difficulties. So staff networks who form joined together to support one another with a different characteristics. That's why faith networks come together to support one another. They're also a means for management to engage with employees on issues that relate to faith and uh, to religion and faith. And that's why one of the things that we encourage is the setting up of Christian groups as a faith network, as a staff 
network group. And you might say, you know, that, you know, that, that can't be done. I can assure you that that is being done in thousands of organizations all over the country. Uh, my colleague Dave Law is going to tell you more about, you know, his, his group uh, in Thameswater and how they started, why they exist, and some of the things that they have been able to do as a result. Workers of Flame was started in uh, one of the London councils. It was very inclusive, it was very affirming, it was relevant to the organization and it engaged properly with management. So that, those are the key elements that a group should have. So you might then say, um, okay, organizations are now more aware of religion and faith in the workplace because of the, the, the range of diversity in the workplace. But how can I evangelize? How can I um, share the gospel? Well, that is called proselytizing. And this addresses the attempt to convince others of the importance of one's personal beliefs. It can take various forms, giving of literature, giving of meeting, uh, invitations, witnessing, evangelizing, um, what I would say on this, what the, the, the norm on this is that um, if you are, if you if you you know, if you do unto others as you want others to do unto you, if you're in the workplace and somebody of another religion tries to convert you without any um, uh, any any due process, you know, you don't have a relationship with them, you, you know, without due process, how would you feel? And so that is, if you think about that, then you would say, then how can it be done? How can it be done if that is the case? If, if it should not be done, but you know, we know as Christians that it should be done, how can it be done? Uh, let's look at the Great Commission and look at some of the things that the, the scripture says. The first scripture I want to share with you is, a life lived loving God bears lasting fruit for the one who is truly wise wins souls. So winning souls is wisdom. It takes wisdom to win souls. You know, it, it takes a lot of, um, you know, contemplation, reflection, dialogue, conversations, wisdom is what is needed. Another scripture says, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. So he is the one who makes one a, a, a fisher. He is the perfect fisher of men and only he knows how to make fishers of us in the workplace. Um, the last scripture is go, go then, tell all people everywhere uh, uh, and make them my disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we know this is the great commission, but how can we do it in the workplace? Let's go on. The Great Commission is very clear, as all the scriptures have been said, but what is required is wisdom and discretion. Understanding that it is a process, not an event. Witnessing uh, or, or, uh, uh, is a process. You know, you don't just jump on a, we don't just jump on a person and begin to evangelize them. It takes a lot of due process. Listening to, to win the right to speak and finding connection points. So being a witness at work, um, what does that mean? Um, if there's due process, what is that due process? Some of them are quite simple, model godly character. You know, what kind of character do they see uh, in the workplace of you? The fruit of the spirit, you know, do you, how do you conduct yourself? 
uh, in the workplace. Make good work, make, make sure that uh, uh, tasks and duties are done with excellence. That is a witness. Minister Grace and Love, show dignity and honor to all, no matter their difference. That is a witness. Mold culture, live out kingdom values, you know, truth. Be kind to people. Live, do what, you know, do the Beatitudes is a good place to start. Live out kingdom values and just, and that is, is, is a witness on its own. Be a mouthpiece for truth and justice. Advocate fairness. Where you see injustice, speak up for it. Speak up for injustice. And then be a messenger of, of the gospel. Yes, opportunities would come. Seize those opportunities. But those opportunities will come after you've done all of the other you know, after you've done the other things. And then be a mediator, pray in the workplace, you know, pray about issues, find somebody else that is a Christian and get together and pray. Um, and that makes a lot of difference in the workplace. If you want to know more about these six, um, these, these um, different um, values that I've just spoken to you, Fruitfulness on the Frontline by Matt Green talks more, goes more into detail about this. So let's look at the apostle. Let's look at the, uh, what is the precedence that we can look at? Who has done this before that it worked? Um, the apostle Paul at Athens. First thing that I would say is we must be realistic about the, pre the world in which we live. Scripture tells us that the end times will be increasingly treacherous. So we should know the battlefield that we're going into before we go into battle. All that so that we can dress appropriately and conduct ourselves appropriately it is a battlefield i can assure you but we are on the winning side in athens apostle paul was confronted by a blatantly idolatrous culture this is in acts um, 17 he was deeply provoked and what did he do um he spoke to the church, he spoke in the marketplace, and then he spoke to the intellectuals, to the philosophers, he spoke to them. In addressing these different groups, he looked for and found connection points in their culture to share the message of the gospel. So he took, he looked, he used a, 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 um, a Greek poem, um, uh, one of the, a Greek poet, he spoke about uh, poetry. He spoke about the, 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 their religious um, practices. He used that as a connection point. He was not petrified or intimidated, but he was motivated by what he saw and what he felt. How are you relating to what you see and feel in your workplace? What is the culture like? You know, having looked at diversity and equality and all that we've said before, those are, this is the language of the present culture of the workplace. So how can you use those things as connection points to, to cross over to the other side and begin to engage and begin to interact and have conversations that would allow you to make a difference? That is the question. Tech contextualization in missions. I don't know if you if you've studied missions at all. This is a is a word that is used a lot in in the study of missions. What what does it mean? It, the task of contextualization is to use what is good, what is just, and what is beautiful in a culture to establish a clear communication of the gospel, in order to overcome obstacles to understanding the gospel. 
So what what do you what do you see in the workplace that is good that is just that is beautiful? Diversity is a beautiful thing because the the it was not um, the workplace that came up with that idea. Diversity, God is a diverse God. Nature is diverse. Everything about God is diverse. So it's a good thing. How can you use it as a connection point to cross over? and start to make a difference? That is the question. Um, 1 Corinthians 9, 20 to 21. Paul said, I became all things to all men so that by any means I may win some. You may not win all of them. You may not win all of them, but you would win some. And that's what um, Paul did. So how should we respond? How should we, what, what can we do? How can we engage with our culture? What can we do? Be observant. Paul was observant. He walked around the, 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 the images and the idols of the, of the, of the um, in Athens. He looked so that he could find a connection point. He was empathetic and compassionate. He listened to them. He saw that they were religious and he used that as, as, as a means. He built bridges, not walls. You know, sometimes when we don't understand a culture, we build walls. But God, but we are meant to be building bridges. Be open to dialogue, have conversations, even with people who are different to you. Be open. You know that it, we see that everywhere uh, that 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 even uh, Jesus did that. Be open to dialogue, have conversations, and be resilient. What does resilience means? It means the ability to bounce back, the ability to overcome. You know, because sometimes you are, you will be knocked back, but you must come back. You must have the ability to come back, pick yourself up and go straight back into the battle. That's what resilience is. Be an evangelist, be ready in season and out of season to seize opportunities and the opportunities will come. You know, as I said earlier, be a mediator. If you are praying in your organization, if you're praying for your organization, opportunities will come. And then be salt and light, add value, serve others, lift others, keep the door open. Don't shut the door. You know, no matter how you get knocked back or whether uh, the opposition or the persecution, expect persecution so that when you expect it, you're not, you're not knocked, you're not, not, you're not knocked back. You, 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 you face it with resilience. And when the opportunity arises, share your faith because the opportunities will arise. Okay. So, um, I know that from what I've said, you know, you might say, oh, that I do all of that, but I still have questions. We would love to hear your questions um, and we would love to, to engage. So now I'm going to hand over to Dave Law. Um, please use the chat facility on Zoom to ask your questions. We don't have a lot of time, so I couldn't go into a lot of detail on many of the issues, but I've just touched on them, hoping that it would help you to maybe um, Think about your own culture in your workplace and what, how you can move forward in that. So Dave has been involved in faith and work organizations since 20, 
2007. He has been an ambassador for Transwork UK since 2014. He looks after 20 groups all over uh, the Thames Valley area. He also leads the group Reading at Work. He's an analytical chemist for Thames Water, and he leads a Christian group there. He's also the deputy chair of the Multi-Faith Forum and is part of the Culture, Diversity and Inclusion Steering Group. So Faith is involved in all of those things that I've spoken about. He's married to Joe, they have a beautiful four-year-old daughter. He's an active member of his Evangelical Anglican Church in Reading. So I'm going to hand over to Dave right now. Thank you very much, thank you. Hi there. Uh, so thanks, um, Elizabeth, and uh, thanks for the introduction and thanks for everybody at KT for inviting me. It's great to be here today. Uh, so where do I start? Well, I think most of what I'm going to be speaking is largely giving you a few stories about how things have affected me and how things have affected groups I've been involved in, particularly the groups at Thames Water. So we'll start off with me then. So uh, I've been a Christian most of my life um, and uh, my story about faith and work starts around 20 years ago when I first moved to Reading, which is where I live, and joined my current church. At that stage, they were having a major push and saying, OK, where is your heart? Where is your passion? What is God calling you to do outside of the church? And at that stage, I was looking and saying, well, there's push for people working with children, push for people working with the disadvantaged, the homeless, and I can't really see that God is actually pushing me in any of those directions. And you're sort of sitting there, and I did actually sit there for years thinking, I really don't know what God's pushing me to. I just feel like the normal people need to know about God, not just uh, those in a deprived situation. But it then carries on about five years or so after that. Um, I was working for a small company um, about 20 miles away from Reading. And really, I was just not happy. Um, I found myself in a situation where I was largely bullied out of the company. Now you look with hindsight and you say, actually, I didn't do myself any favours. I may be a Christian, but I'm as liable to stick my foot in my mouth as anybody else. Um, and yes, I think a large amount of that came, again, it was a class of cultures, because it came from uh, people, uh, particularly from a couple of uh, gay colleagues who assumed that because I was an evangelical Christian, I was instantly going to hate them. So um, And so they would react against me in that sort of respect. They judged me before I had a chance to judge them. Rather than what I would have done, what I did was to do my best to show, my, show God's love to them. But you look at this time, and it was, it was a tough time. But you look and say, uh, where... Uh, where Jesus says that 
he prunes every branch in me that bears no fruit um, so that it bears more fruit. Where it says that in uh, the beginning of John's Gospel, uh, chapter 15. And so you look at that and you think, yes, this was a time of pruning. He was building me to go into where I am now. And initially, yes, I got involved in a local faith and work group, which led me uh, down the lines to Transform Work UK, where I met Elizabeth. And I will always be glad I did. Um, so what have I seen over 20 years in the workplace? What you have seen is a, a change in the way that society and workplace culture views religion and views other characteristics, discrimination and similar. So remembering what Elizabeth showed a few minutes ago about the uh, nine protected characteristics. So race, sex, uh, sex uh, sexuality, um, um, pregnancy, religion and belief. So when I joined the workforce, um, there was a general view of your you're in here, you're here to do a job, leave your difference, leave your religion, leave your sexuality, leave your race at the door. We want you here, we want you here to do the job. And that is a very much an equality only. We're going to treat you as equal, so long as you do nothing to stand out. But what, that, what that's moved to uh, partly as a result of the Equality Act 2010, and the Equality Act just mirrored what was happening in society, is a move to diversity that says, actually, the fact that you have a different uh, background, you're a different gender, you're, uh, you have got, uh, you're from a different racial backgrounds, you've got different religion and belief, means that you actually bring a variety of experience, a variety of thought into the workplace and actually workplaces that embrace that variety um, are stronger for it. So uh, that is move from just religion, no, so just equality to a move of equality, diversity and inclusion. So uh, the phrase that's used a lot in these is, can you bring your whole self to work? Uh, not just what you can actually do as part of your job, but bring your whole self to into the workplace. So that's a bit what I've seen. So let me tell you about the Thames Water Christian Group then. So Thames Water Christian Group started in the late 1990s, which was before my time at Thames Water. It started off as a group of Christians, predominantly in the engineering department uh, at Thames Water. So they're people who were designing uh, sewage works, designing water treatment works, planning networks and things like that. 
uh, working out the best way to fix the wonderfully leaky mains we have across London. Um, and they would just take a few, uh, a few of them would get together over a lunchtime every couple of weeks and would just sit down and pray. They'd pray for each other and they'd pray for the company. And that's, that's simply how it started. And for probably 20 years, that's largely what the group was. It grew, um, but uh, it, it grew, it shrunk, but largely it was a group of people who would come together over their lunchtime to pray together. And that was, a, I'm sure that was a blessing to the company. I'm sure that um, when the company changed hands in 2006, the prayers of that group uh, certainly had an effect because we did see some very hostile people we were told were eyeing up the company and we were, I can't say we walked by the nicest owners, but we could have been, we could have been a lot worse. Um, so where had that taken us to? So by the early 2010s, we were still meeting together, but we weren't uh, doing a great deal. We'd meet together, we would pray, we would open the Bible together, but numbers had dwindled, people had left the company. Uh, the company was still applying the leave your difference at the door sort of strategies to how they dealt with diversity. Um, and yes, the, the group did effectively wind up. Uh, but after a few months, um, a few new Christians emerged on the scene and we restarted um, and we've gradually built from there. Uh, turn uh, around 2015 and the company decided to uh, uh, adopt a much more modern approach to diver uh, equality, diversity and inclusion and to actively support staff networks. So there, uh, it was a case of, I spotted on the internal staff magazine, a piece from the new diversity manager who'd been in role at that stage a few weeks saying, I want to start staff networks. So as the leader of the Christian group, what did I do? I just dropped her an email and said, I know you want to start staff networks. Here we are. We're the Christian group. We've been here for 20 years. Can we be involved? And the first thing that, and yeah, it was, yes, please come on in, bring your experience. We want you as part of it. For all that um, the negative tales you do here, and there are problems out there, most of society is not actively hostile to the gospel. Indifferent, yes. Hostile, no. So that is one to always bear in mind when you're going into the workplace. They may, most of them don't actively hate us, they just don't care. So we have moved from a group 
when we reformed ourselves, we were a group of about half a dozen people. Um, to since we've been involved with the diversity networks, we have moved from half a dozen people to 75 plus people on our reach and meeting across six sites across London and the Thames Valley. So it's the blessing that's come from engaging with Star HR and engaging with diversity networks. So beyond this, why would we engage in diversity? Well, yes, it gives the company's blessing to what we're doing, but more than anything, it enables us to show um, God's love to the company. So I am going to, I go and I sit down with the diversity leads. Now as a company, we have diversity networks for women, we have diversity networks on disability. We have LGBT plus diversity networks. We have BAME diversity networks. We have parents and carers diversity networks. And we have the faith networks, we, um, which in many ways we work together as faith networks. Um, and I'll cover that more in a bit. But what are we doing? Well. The first thing is we are breaking down stereotypes. So referring back just to my my initial story of, of sort of five to ten years pre previous to getting involved in it, do a lot of people in the LGBT community believe that we hate them? Yes, they do. Do they believe the stories that we would... Um, actively try and get uh, them sacked from their job? They do. But do they believe that we would actively show God's love, God's compassion and care for them? No, they don't. Do they believe that um, we want to treat them as fellow human beings? No, but that's what we're here to do. We're here to show God's love for all our colleagues to bless all our colleagues um, and so we're, we're working on that basis that we are here to share we are here to bring that we're here to make sure that in what is a secular workplace uh, that the company doesn't forget that it has a significant number of people who hold a religious belief. And uh, for much of society, they will look and say, oh, church, that's, that's a group of friends. That's a hobby you have. That is like playing football or going to um, uh, the pub or something like that. It's something you can put down. It's something that's less important. When we all know that uh, for most of us, we would die before we gave up, we renounced Jesus. Same can be said for our Muslim colleagues. Same can be said for our Hindu or Buddhist 
or Jewish colleagues. That is how important it is to our life, which society doesn't understand. So we are here to say that actually, if you want productive members of staff, you've got to acknowledge that this is an important part of their lives for the proportion of staff who have an active practicing faith. And so, uh, and yes, and how do we do that? We do that as part of a multi-faith network. And why a multi-faith network? Now, for some people, the idea of sitting down in a room with your Muslim, uh, the leads of a Muslim network, the leads of a Sikh network, the lead of a Hindu network, that might sound terribly scary. But actually, why am I here? I am in the workplace. I'm not in the workplace to be an evangelist. I am not in the workplace to be uh, a minister. I am in the workplace to do the job that the company have employed me to. So in my case, I am in the workplace to uh, test your drinking water and make sure it's as clean as it should be. But I want to be doing that as well as I can. And if you recognise that your colleague, your colleagues of other faith backgrounds are there for a similar reason, then let's do our best to enable them to thrive in their workplace as much as we thrive in the workplace. And if they, if we respect them, we pray that they will respect us in the workplace. So we sit down together to look at where issues are common. We, we also, from a company perspective, uh, we also sit down because the company will be able to see and believe it's fair that we are dealing with all the faith networks and compared to, let's say, the women's network or the BAME network, we might be relatively small. Uh, women make up 50% of the population. Uh, people of black and uh, ethnic minorities make up a larger proportion of the, of the working population than any one religious group. That's fair. So, uh, but we can sit down together and we, are, we find an awful lot of things that are causing a problem for your Muslim colleague, cause a problem for your Christian colleague. Um, and the company will say, okay, let's not have the groups fighting against each other or pushing against each other. Let's, let's work together to find good outcomes. But, and here's the big thing, but with multi-faith groups, we are not here to... We're not here about uh, trying to convert our uh, co Muslim colleagues to Christianity. I will pray for them. Um, I will happily do. I would love to see them come to Christ. I pray one day they will come to Christ. But that's not why I'm here in the workplace. Um, we are here for the common good mm. and to bless them and to bring Christ's love to that. 
Um, what we're also not here to do is any form of suggestion that we are all the same. No. I may sit on your multi-faith forum, but I will not pray with you if you're not a Christian. Uh, I do not believe that uh, in praying to Allah, you are praying to the same God that I am. I believe you are praying to a false religion. And um, as such, underneath the multi-faith group, we have different networks for all the major religious faiths who can all go off and pray as they believe, as they wish, in their own time. So the leads of the Christian network will sit down with the leads of the other group, but we will then go back. We will then pray as Christians together. We will open the Bible together. We will then do things together as a Christian group. And so I think in that way, we've greatly benefited. We've, it's been a great blessing to us. Um, and yes, and I think, I think the last thing I'll do, uh, and if you don't mind, Ron, I will just share a small clip uh, from something that I recorded just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this and this just shows how these things have progressed in a company so this went out on the company's yammer so for those who are not aware of what it is yammer is uh, a sort of internal company um, facebook type network that anybody can do and we were able to put this out from the Christian group. I think I've lost the screen share ability. Uh, Ron, if you could possibly. That's technology for you. That's technology for you, yes. Do you need to be a host to do that, though? Oh, I've got it, yes. Thank you. So, um, okay, let's find this. So, Can you all see a recording here in front of you? Okay, here we go. This this was just a few days ago. There's no sound day. Okay, sorry. It's I will start that one again. So it's the one everyone does. We all say let's share, and then uh, we forget to enable the sound. So share sound. and okay i'm dave part of the christian group here at thames water today is ash wednesday which for christians is the first day of lent emily would have told you all about what how christians observe lent yesterday as part of her video on pancake day 
So today I'm going to tell you about Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is a solemn day for Christians. It marks a day of fasting and a day of repentance. That is saying sorry and turning away from the things you do wrong. So as Christians, we believe that we have all done and we all frequently do things that are wrong. It is part of our nature. Nobody is good. We are all do uh, lots of bad things. And as part of this, we look to turn back to God to say, we're sorry for all the things that we have done wrong. So as part of that, um, Christians on Ash Wednesday will often go to church and at this uh, service will repent and start afresh for the Lent season. And as part of this, the um, minister or priest will then mark their foreheads with a cross like this out of ash with the words from dust you came to dust you will return or repent and believe the gospel so if you see anybody walking around today with an ash cross on their forehead you know where it's come from if anybody if you would like to join the christian group we meet via teams on tuesday and thursday lunch times come and find us out from our yammer page thank you Oh, and so yeah with my final thing that is a, a nice simple explanation of the gospel in a way that is specifically designed not to be offensive to any other groups and was just there and it's the sort of things you can get away with when you are a recognized group that is trusted by management. And with that, I'll say thank you and hand back to Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Dave, that was amazing. So the practical side of what, how you can take your, your faith to work. You know, faith doesn't just lead um, a Christian group that is active in the workplace and engaging. He's also part of the multi-faith forum. He's also part of the diversity uh, framework. And those are bridges, those are connection points in the workplace. Um, things have changed, things have moved on, like he said. Um, what, what, was, what was allowed before is, is, is different from now. The new structures, especially the diversity framework, it is such a platform that if we wisely know how to, uh, how to engage with it, it will give you so much access. I mean, I could tell my stories, but I'm not going to do it this time. Dave has told his stories, um, but there's so much opportunity, if you know where to look for it, in the workplace to take your faith to work. So I'm going to hand over to Ron now, and he's going to lead us in the question and answer section. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dave, and thank you, Elizabeth, for that very, very informative uh, sessions, both sessions. A number of questions have come up and uh, I'll ask both of you these questions. 
Uh, for those of you who are in the webinar with us, if you have questions that you'd like to ask, uh, just put it in the chat. I'm keeping my eyes on it. And we'll spend the next few moments trying to answer some of these. Um, if we don't uh, get a chance to get around to your question, we'll find some other way of communicating with you. But uh, some uh, reasonable questions have come in, some pretty good ones actually. And so let's uh, get started. Um, and so the process is I'll ask uh, both of you. So Dave, Elizabeth, both of you feel free to jump in. Uh, to provide responses to this. In your experience at the workplace, are these primarily closed Christian groups or do you have the opportunity to actively share your faith? I'll start with that one, shall I? Um, the yes and no. We always endeavor to make the groups open for anybody to come and join we always will always endeavor to welcome people whether they have a faith or whether they have no faith uh, the networks tend to be quite broad because we are coming together and we're saying um, we are here as uh, as christians we will leave the difference um, of our religion of our different faith traditions at the door and I will happily sit down and pray with you whether you're Pentecostal whether you're Anglican whether you're Catholic we will all sit down and say we can agree that we are Christian and we will pray together however having said that to actually reach out to your colleagues is something that you always need to do very carefully, very tactfully. Um, we are, as I said earlier, we're not there to be evangelists into the workplace, and uh, but we're not. But we are still God's children who are there to be able to witness to our colleagues. So on a one-to-one -one basis, great. And sometimes, and this is not particularly common, but some Christian groups have been able to do things like offer uh, alpha courses to anyone who wants to come along. But uh, yes, we are open. Do we actively share our faith in the workplace? Not overtly, but by living God's life, we are sharing God's light into the workplace. Okay. Anything to add, Elizabeth? I think that's 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 true. Um, you you have there's just like the video that Dave just showed. There will be opportunities to share the gospel. You know, we ran an alpha course, and we even had an away day where we talked about the Holy Spirit, and people from the workplace came. Um, we had Christmas carol services where the gospel was openly shared. We had Christianity Awareness Weeks where. Um, literature on how to become a Christian was shared, Bibles were given away, um, uh, Billy Graham videos were given away. So there's always opportunity and there are conversations, you know, all of those uh, platforms give you, people ask questions, you know, they would come and ask, and, and that gives you the opportunity to share with them. If they want to know more, then you wisely, you know, know how to go about that. Um, I think a question came up there to say, can you lead someone in the sinner's prayer in the Christian group? 
um, because you pray in the Christian group, sinner's prayer is part of prayer. So of course you should be able to do that within the parameters of the Christian group. If they, if, 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 um, if the accusation comes up that you were, they let you, the person willingly of their own volition came into the group knowing that prayer is done in the group. So um, I think it's a safe place to do that, yes. Okay, thank you, thank you so much for that. Um, I, I suppose what, what I'm hearing is we have a door that's open to us. It's, if, it's from some perspectives, it's protected by law. We have to recognize there's an open door and use a lot of wisdom about how we reach people based on the principle of salt and light. So we have an opportunity, we can share our light. You may not be able to do it overtly because remember this is a workplace, you're hired to do a job, but the law protects us to be Christians and we can practice our faith. But in terms of sharing our faith, we just have to pray for wisdom and be very wise about how we proceed on that. Exactly. Okay. Very much so. Yeah, so a somewhat related uh, question. How can you differentiate Christ as Lord when the basic understanding of multi-faith associations is that all faiths are equal? Can I, can I address that? A yeah. multi-faith forum is, is a meeting place for different faiths to, to discuss things that are common to all of them. It's not the Christian group. It's not the Christian group. So that is not the place to, to preach. Um, you do that within your group. You know, the, the Modfit Forum is almost like a work meeting where you all meet together to talk about common goals, common objectives, common challenges and things like that. So because you belong to a multi-faith forum um, doesn't mean that you're not part of a Christian group. They're two different things. Why the multi-faith forum is so important is in some instances, like maybe um, if they're celebrating their festivals, they will share, you know, this is what we do for our festivals. When the Christians are celebrating, it gives you a platform to also share your faith. You know, so at Diwali, they would, they would at um, the Muslim festivals, they would talk about theirs. At the Christian festivals, goodness, you have a platform. You know, you share Christ openly because you have given the others the opportunity to share. Because to speak, you must give people the right, to have the right to speak, you must have listened very, very carefully to where other people are coming from. Because how can you speak to them if you don't know their own context? If, you're, if they don't feel like, they don't feel like you know them. Um, speaking is a privilege and the privilege is earned by listening. So that's what I'd say. Okay, thank you for that. And um, again, this, this comes back to, we have an opportunity we, we do have to exercise wisdom with the opportunities, but there's some things we can do within the Christian group. We had a question coming from- just, just to add one final little bit to Elizabeth's one. And that Dave, is to Dave, see... we've, we've lost your video. If you can just switch that back on, please. Oh. <laughs> uh, can you see me now? No. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, well, it appears that I've got video here. Uh, there's no issue, there doesn't appear, Mine appears to be. So I'll have to apologise that I don't appear to be on video now. Um, 
but yes, what I would just say, uh, just a final little bit to the uh, one on the multi-faith. Within Thames, the biggest aim of the multi-faith is to make people comfortable to say, I am a Christian or I am a Muslim in the workplace. There's a lot of pressure to hide your religious belief, but our biggest aim of the multi-faith group is to make it comfortable for people to say, this is what I believe. I am a Christian. Nothing more than that. Uh, but if you open that door to all faiths, then great. Okay. So, uh, Eblen, we had a question that came in from you. I'm assuming we've answered that by talking about multi-faith networks. Uh, I've got another question here. This is a practical one based on, on real data. It says, if practicing your faith is protected by legislation, why have there been successful prosecution of Christians offering to pray for colleagues at work? If practicing your faith is indeed protected by legislation, why have there been successful prosecution of Christians offering to pray for colleagues at work? Um, I think a lot of Christians go in with a heavy hand, if I may say so. They're going very, you know, they're going with their Bibles, their big black Bibles, you know, and, um, you know, praying, in, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you know, you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, and therefore, the element of wisdom and due process is not followed uh, in terms of being a witness in the workplace. Of course, you know, people, if, if and I think we've addressed it before, some of the some of the cases that have come up some of them have been amended um i know that the one regarding the um british airways um lady who was prosecuted because she was wearing a cross the, the british airways have actually even though they, they won the case but british airways have actually amended their policy on 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 religious uh dress um, to say that it, it can be done because uh, for a number of reasons. Um, but that was a precedent. And there was, if you really think about it, it, it does make sense. Um, there is a, there's a standard uniform and something is out of place on that uniform. You know, if, you, if you're wearing a, a policeman's uniform and you put a big cross on it, it's, you've, you've, you've you have, you know, it's taken away from the uh, from the authenticity of that uniform. Um, if you wear your cross and you put it underneath your uniform, nobody will see it. Um, but if you're thinking that you're going to use your wear your cross on top of your uniform to witness, I don't know if that is wise and practical. And therefore, it's almost like we 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 throw ourselves. Uh, at the end, you know, we give room for, for them to accuse us by the things we do, thinking we're doing the right thing. And that's why, because of the nature of culture, cultural culture, um, uh, contemporary culture, wisdom is such a, 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 a key element, you know, and yes, that's, that, I think that's all I'd say. Dave, did you want to say anything about it? No, I think it's uh, beyond saying it's worth remembering 
um, that uh, where a power dynamic is. Are you the person in a powerful relationship? So a lot of these things have where it's come from sort of medicine and things like that. If you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, you are the authority figure. Do you have uh, in your role as a doctor or nurse or whatever, the authority to push your beliefs or are you there to serve their, their medical needs? Ultimately share if somebody wishes to share, but uh, we've got to be aware of where where there is a boundary that you could step over, where you could make somebody uncomfortable. And just, yes, as Elizabeth said, be very, very wise about how you deal with it. Thank you so much for that. Okay, so another question has come in about, based on your experience, how have you dealt with conflict where our particular faith is clearly a conflict with either other faiths or other areas protected by the law? So I suppose, I suppose, let's bring this down to something practical. One of the examples could be, I'm interpreting this, our belief that Jesus Christ is the only way. Within the context of the workplace, how does one have that conversation where the law is protecting all faiths? The answer would be, my experience would say, do you need to have that conversation? That is is having that conversation actually going to affect the day-to-day -day running of your job? Um, you're still ultimately you're still there to do your job, and if um, if the fact that I'm a Christian and I believe the supremacy of Jesus versus uh, I am a Muslim and I believe in uh, Muhammad's teachings, actually is any argument of that actually going to affect your day job? If it's not, leave it, at, leave it at the door. Love your colleague, but leave the arguments about who's right and who's wrong at the door. Thank you so much. And uh, Jessica, I, I agree with the comment you've just thrown on. You're saying uh, you agree with Dave about boundaries. We should also be mindful of the employer-manager relationships and having conversations with salvation. Keep in mind, we are talking the workplace. So the starting point is you have a contractual relationship with that organization. We are allowed to, in that process, to do some things. We need to be very wise, as we said again and again, about our relationship with people in there and what we can and can't do. It's not quite the same as if you're within the church building or around the church building. So you'll hear us use discernment and wisdom again and again and again. That's exactly right. That's what we need to do. And keep in mind, the cross comes with its own power. Okay, we don't need to manufacture things. And, uh, you know, doors, as we've said, doors have opened up for us here. Um, as the doors open, we step in and we let work, you know, we work with the power that comes with the cross. Let opportunities open up, let relationships develop, let wisdom demonstrate itself in conversation. So thank you so much for that, Jessica. If, if so Just going on, if somebody wanted to start one of these groups, what would be a logical next step? Okay, I'm going to sh quickly share my um, 
share my screen again, if you don't mind. Let me just do that. Um, can you see my screen? No. Oh, sorry. I should go down and share, share screen, there we go. Okay, can you see my screen even yes. though I, yes. I, I can't get the whole thing up, up? Yeah. Okay, how to start and grow a Christian group, influencing the workplace. This is going to be the next webinar. We don't have a date on it yet, but keep your eyes open because this will be the next one. There's a lot that, you know, we could, Dave could tell you about how he started and grew his group. I started a group as well and grew it and we were able to do so many different things in the workplace. How could we do it? You know, some of the questions that have been asked relate to this. Uh, we will go into more detail at this particular webinar, how to start and how to grow. I must mention Transform Work UK regarding this. Transform Work UK, this is what they do. I worked with them uh, and this is what we did. They, we had, well, we, I'm still talking about as if I'm still there, but they have over 500 groups that they support um, as an organization. And these are all over the country in every uh, sector group. So in, you know, in government, in all of the 12 giants that we're talking about are represented in the groups that Transform Work UK supports. So we would, we would tell you the practical aspects. Also, we will encourage you to go to the Transform Work UK website if you're really, really interested in this and look up, you know, some of the material about how to start, how, what kind of support you can get. Dave also has an event coming up next Tuesday that will be talking about this. If you want to attend Dave's um, webinar next Tuesday, he will give you the details of that as well. But a lot of information about these things are coming up. So please engage, you know, get into it because this is what it's about. This is what Colin Dye has been telling us about, about being mobilized in the workplace. This is what this is all about. And it can be done. You know, um, if I may just end with this, when, um, when the children of Israel were going to be going to the promised land, only two of them believed that they could do it. Only Joshua and Caleb, you all know the story. They saw the giants, but they didn't see the giants. They saw the bigness of their God. You know, they saw an opportunity where others saw a challenge. So please, see the opportunities, look for the opportunities and don't just see the, the closed doors and, 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 the, and the issues that are there. You know, pray, seek wisdom, get support, Transfer Work UK, myself, Dave, and, and we can help you navigate that sometimes they can be treacherous waters of, you know, being a Christian in the workplace. So thank you very much. Thank you, Elizabeth. But let's assume that someone uh, was not able to, either not able to wait or not able to come to the next webinar. Could you just top line it for us? <coughs> two or three thoughts about what, what would they do next? Who, myself or Dave? Dave, are you still there? I'm oh, still here, yes. What, what would we do next? Ultimately, if you know another Christian in your workplace, make contact, uh, for, wait for your lunch time, 
that might be a lunch over Zoom or Teams now. Um, book out half an hour. Pray. Meet them. Pray. That's it. Nothing more than that. Come together. Pray. Make sure you pray for your work yourselves, but pray for your workplace. Beyond that, there's huge amounts you could do to build and these things from after that, but ultimately pray. Yeah. And I'll put my email, I'm about to put my email in the chat uh, if anybody wants to, or they can contact Elizabeth and we will both more than happily uh, talk about how to build things from here. If I can just follow on from there, another thing is to look at your policies at work. What what kind of policies um, are there that, that can be opportunities for you? You know, look up your diversity policy, look at your equality policy. You know, do you already have other staff networks already functional in the workplace? You know, if, the, if that is there, then that gives you also the opportunity to say, okay, we also would like to start a staff network group as a Christian, you know, Christian one. And, you know, and we can't say it enough. You need to pray. You can't just march in and say, I'm a Christian and I want this, I want that. You need to seek wisdom. You need to seek God in prayer because sometimes the timing could be different. Sometimes you have a heart to do it, but it's not the right time. We waited a long time. You know, I knew that, that we needed to do something in the workplace, but I just didn't have, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what it looked like until I met up with another Christian and we started talking about it. And she was the one who said, let's, let's, let's book a room. I mean, we didn't even know, we, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get permission. We just thought, let's just book a room and invite people at lunchtime. And so we started, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five people at lunchtime. We just booked a room, you know, now it's online, you know, you know, create a chat, create a Zoom meeting and invite the Christians that you know. And that's how it starts. You know, you might be going for a number of years before you get recognition, but you're not there just to get recognition. You're there because you have a heart for your workplace. Pray. And when the, when the recognition time comes, that door would open up for you through diversity, through equality, whatever the door may be. And then you then 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 what happens then is then you become a public uh, a group because now all the you know you become officially formalized and recognized and that gives you added benefits as well. So um, that's what I'd say. Thank you, John. Thank you, and and Julie, we got your comment as well. Julie, I agree with you. Um, this, this is not a question of pushing our way into people's lives. This is taking advantage of the fact that we have a door that's open to us and we use wisdom. And so, yes, if you are side by side, for example, with colleagues of other faiths, you start by praying with them, but rub shoulders with them and demonstrate the life of Christ through you. Okay, it's, it's an opportunity. It's people in your lives and grow relationships. Just let Christ uh, exuberate out of your life. Let, 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 let that light, let, let, it, let people see it. It's, it's the salt and light. Um, so we have, we've done really well on time. Let me take one more question and then we'll wrap up. Um, has any of the two of you run into um, the issue where a boss or a company is not interested in this type of venture? And if so, what should you do? 
Yes, uh, it does happen. Uh, one of my, one of Elizabeth and my colleagues at uh, Transform Work UK, a guy called Matt, he works for a uh, clinical research company. They turned around a while ago and said, we're introducing staff networks, but we absolutely do not want religion. And he's still praying about this. He's still working on it. But ultimately, he has turned round to them and said, look, under equality law, we're allowed to, if you're going to allow there to be an LGBT network or a BAME network or a women's network, then you really should be allowing us to have faith networks. And it's still ongoing, that one. I think he's managed to get a bit of an open door, but he's far from finished. But he's working, he's praying on it, and he's uh, using the rest of the resources available to turn around. I mean, ultimately, if an employer doesn't want any form of staff networks, they are under no obligation to have staff networks. They're, they have still got to allow you time if you want to to uh, meet, to pray because uh, they will they would be obliged to allow your Muslim colleague uh, to break at lunchtime on a Friday to pray. Therefore they're obliged to allow you a little bit of time to meet and pray. They're not obliged to give you anything else, but good practice says they should. Fantastic. So th thank you both uh, Elizabeth and Dave. As we indicated when we started today's session, this is the beginning of a journey. We're gonna hold several of these uh, webinars. We'll get you dates. Um, if you would like the, um, the presentation slides that we use today, drop us an email on info at kt.org. I see those and I can get those to you right away. Um, we will make sure the recording from today is also up on our website, kt.org. We'll do that sometime next week. Um, and so Elizabeth and Dave, any closing comments before we say goodbye to this amazing group? I mean, we, we got up to almost 60 people here today, so that's absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for being here with us. You, you're the ones who make these events happen. Elizabeth, Dave, any closing comments? I would just, sorry. No. I would just say thank you to everyone's coming. Myself as well. And um, don't be afraid to wait as well. Waiting is part of the process. You know, if, like Dave said, if, um, if you're not being recognized, like, you know, they can't they can say you during your own lunchtime that you cannot pray. And you can pray as for as long. Sometimes it takes years, you know, just two of you praying together, three of you praying together. But you're not there just to be recognized. You're there because you're a light. So let your light shine and, and love your love, love the difference. Love people who are different to you. Don't be intimidated by, by them, whether it's religion, whether it's sexuality, whether it's culture, you know, love them. That's what Jesus did. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, for those who are asking for Dave's uh, email address, dave.law at transformuk.org. Transform work UK. Transform work UK. It sits in the chat if you want to have a look. Um, Elizabeth, if they need to get hold of you, best way? 
uh, yeah, I will give my, my, um, let me type in my, I'm, I'm at KT, but um, there we go. I think so. Check the chat if you want to get in touch with them. Or worst case scenario, if you, if you forget these or you, you know, you just don't remember it later on, just drop me a note at info at kt.org, info at kt.org, and I will provide to you whatever you need. But once again, thank you both Elizabeth and Dave, and thank you all for joining us today. It's been a phenomenal day. I trust that um, you've learned a lot and that this is the beginning of a journey and we'll stay in touch and continue to equip you in this area. But for now, have an absolutely amazing Saturday. If by any chance there's somebody on right now who doesn't have a home church at Kensington Temple tomorrow, we are online and also in the building at 9, 11, 2.30 and 5.30, four services tomorrow. We'd love for you to come visit us. But for now, it's have a great Saturday. Bye for now. Bye everyone. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for a wonderful time. Thank you. Thank you lots, everyone. God bless. God bless. Bye. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye.